This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hello again, everybody. Adam Ritz here with The Adam Ritz Show. And Jay Baker is joining me via telephone. Jay, how are you? I am doing well. I'm looking forward to another award-winning show. Well, we've crossed over into a new month. And, uh, you know, they say time goes faster the older you get. And it's happening for me on a weekly basis. I feel like October just started. And here we are celebrating Christmas now that we're into November. So happy November to you. Uh, and one of the topics we always bring up in November is Movember, which is the right. combination of, at least what I, I have always thought it was, the combination of the word mustache and November. That's what Movember is, right? Right. Yeah. Oh. It's, a, it's a facial hair-oriented event. <laughs> I, it, it involves facial hair, and not everybody has it. You know? I want that in Wikipedia. When you look up Movember, <laughs> I wanted to say a facial hair motivated event. Um, Movember is uh, where men of all ages are encouraged to grow out their facial hair in support of men's health. And one of the most famous mustaches of all time, when you think mustaches, maybe you think of uh, Tom Selleck. Uh, Magnum PI, maybe you think of oh, sure. uh, Freddie Mercury from Queen. Uh, it it ha- has to be in the top five mustaches. You got to think of John Oates from Holland Oates. Oh, I agree. Wouldn't you think? In fact, I had a friend uh, for Halloween. She went as John Oates, and uh, that basically was the costume. She had a, a guitar, a mustache, and she had on uh, a dark, long wig. So uh, the mustache certainly gave it away. Uh, well, here's something I, I recently found out about John Oates. Uh, when I was researching for this story, he shaved off his mustache. Did you know that? No, I did I, not. I didn't. I didn't either. I mean, that's that's his trademark. I thought it was his trademark, and um, for a, several years, he's he's not had the mustache. Uh, and why this is such a, a I guess a, a pertinent story or related to this is that John Oates is growing his mustache back. In honor of Movember, he has partnered with the official organization. It's us.movember.com. This is an actual nonprofit organization, and he has teamed up with them for Movember to uh, grow out his mustache and raise awareness and funding for men's health issues like mental health, illness, uh, suicide prevention, testicular, prostate cancer. Uh, It's a worthy cause that's uh, convinced John Oates um, to grow back his once lush 1970s stash. <laughs> so that is great. That is good news for all of us. Uh, you know, we get to help out uh, men's health. We get to raise awareness for men's health. We get to support and promote Movember. But most importantly, and number one, John Oates is growing back his world famous mustache. Now you have had a few attempts at facial hair. Are you going to be uh, growing a mustache this year? <sighs> That's a, you know, you put that pressure on me, and you, that that's somewhat of a challenge. I feel like I need to now. Uh, I am about a four-day growth right now, which is just a day and a half under the very obnoxious 
scratch. Uh, I don't know if your neck, your neck beard does to you what it does to me, but I start scratching like a cartoon character dog when I get on get on it about day five or six. Um, and I've tried to grow it out, and I you know I can do a goatee or whatever, but it's just still it doesn't look good on me. It, it's not incredibly full or thick. It's certainly not John Oates, Tom Selleck uh, to, no. to those standards. Um, it is funny though, you know how facial hair is because you're right. It's not just an automatic thing. Hey, I'm going to quit shaving for five days. Voila, you know I look like uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. You know. <laughs> No, it takes it you the whole. Doesn't quite work that takes way. Takes you yeah. the whole month to get something going, and then you know the month's over, and you've got uh, family pictures for uh, you know the end for the holidays for the end of the year, and you got to shave it off anyway. So uh, maybe maybe one of these years we'll we'll much like John Oates, you and I in this show will partner with Movember, and maybe we'll make a challenge for each other and our listeners and grow it out. But uh, I know for one, Melissa would not be happy. I don't know how your wife would feel if you. Uh, went a whole month without shaving. Uh, but you do have a goatee, though, don't you? Well, I, I went from goatee to full beard. I figured, why not? That's <laughs> so right. My my November will be, uh, you know, uh, it's a kind of a Grizzly Adams look. Uh, that's an older cultural reference. But, you, yeah, it's a... Uh, you are... I, I forgot you had the full beard. You You're bordering unkempt. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the new me, you know. <laughs> you know, that's what uh, semi-retirement will do to a man, you know? What would it take for you to, much like John Oates, just get fed up with it and shave it off? Well, I think it would take a long time to shave off. So, so I don't know. I, You know, I guess I could do that, but it would take years and cost thousands of lives. So <laughs> It would definitely take about 19 uh uh, razors to get through. Yes, those. it sure would. All right. Well, we'll, we'll put a link uh, on our website to this um, organization, Movember, us.movember.com. Uh, it's, you can learn about all their uh, partners. There's other celebrities with facial hair that have partnered with them, athletes. Uh, there are events through the month, uh, and there's a way for you to donate uh, right there on their website. And if you don't want to uh, go through them, uh, you know, go through any organization that you trust uh, to uh, help out with men's health this November. Jay Baker, what else is happening in your world? Well, came across a kind of a startling, startling article this week, and I thought, you know, this is something that I definitely wanted to bring to everyone's attention here on the Adam Rich Show. But we've talked a little bit about um, most every health practice, whether it's drinking coffee or I engaging in other activities, moderation is definitely the key. Well, there is a new study that is suggesting that binge drinking may be more hazardous than they ever thought. Binge drinking uh, is uh, to blame for 20% of the deaths of American adults between 20 and 49, and that is a startling figure. 20%, yeah, one out of five, that's a, that's a, that's a high number. Anything that has that high of a, of a death rate, uh, you'd want to take a look at. And I, I don't think anybody's surprised to find out binge drinking isn't good or isn't good for you, but to find out it's you know related to 20% of the deaths for which age group? 
the adults between the ages of 20 and 49. Now, this is for those that are binge drinking. Obviously, if you uh, abstain from alcohol, you wouldn't be included in this. And, you know, and specifically binge drinking is uh, if you have four or more drinks per sitting for women and five or more drinks for men. And they say that about a quarter of Americans uh, binge drink at least once a week if you're already binge drinking. So I don't want to make it sound like everybody in America is binging. But uh, it's an interesting pattern. And the reason why this article really struck me is, if you think about it, you could be very moderate in your alcohol intake. But with the NFL and college football seasons upon us, you know, that all of a sudden that day, that Saturday or that Sunday becomes a day where you may overindulge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people uh, listening, myself included, are a little surprised to find out how uh, little amount of drinks it takes to hit the binge drinking mark. For a, adult men, it's five yeah. drinks uh, in one sitting. In one sitting, And I yes. think, you know, if you asked uh, Brother Bluto from the Delta House <laughs> in Animal House, what is binge drinking? The answer would be, you know, drinking 12 beers at once or um, half a bottle of uh, whiskey at once right? Uh, or in one sitting um, or uh, any combination of maybe 10 beers and five shots, you know, some crazy night out uh, when you really tie one on and you're, you're telling me that it, it's just five drinks in one sitting that, that is not, um, you know, a, that's not a night in the Delta house. That's, that no. could be just any night in, in any house in any neighborhood. So that's uh, I'm assuming health issues from liver damage to um correct to it's, it's actually been connected to heart disease uh cancer injury and also just as you said liver disease so it has some uh far-reaching health consequences and that's the only reason i bring it up is not because we want to lecture others on alcohol consumption but i found that to be a startling article it really is and when you say injury i'm sure that includes um duis sure with uh whether vehicular manslaughter you're you're um killing others or if you're uh, in a you know a one car accident with uh, one fatality you're the driver and you've had five drinks, and you're you know you're over the limit, and you hit a you hit a tree or a telephone pole. Twenty percent of deaths for twenty to forty nine year olds can be attributed yeah, this was, to binge drinking. Yeah, and this study wow. was extrapolated over a ten year time period. So, and it's pretty encompassing, and it's you know, and, and you could look at the figures and say, well, what about this? What about that? But it just underscores that. Uh, you know, once again, binge drinking is not moderate intake, and it does have some consequences. And it has some consequences for a lot of just young Americans. I mean, you know, when you're 25 years old, you're thinking, hey, I'm in the best health of my life, but you could be endangering that health. It is amazing. And as we've come off um, the COVID uh, situation from 2020, if you really look at I've heard this argument before. Uh, you know, it wasn't 20% uh, of deaths for those that, for that age group due to COVID, you know, and we, right. you know, you know, the, the precautions we took because of COVID with, with shutdowns and 
closures and mask mandates. I mean, those death numbers and those that re- that percentage of death wasn't near twenty percent. Right. Well, it shows you that yeah, we do like to respond uh, effectively to health emergencies, and this kind of underscores that potentially binge drinking may be uh, something that you want to look at a little more closely. You know, we said uh, early on during the pandemic shutdowns, alcohol consumption went up and that was not unexpected. But you and I know that everything that's a habit, whether it's morning coffee or your afternoon glass of wine, those are usually habits. And as you develop those habits, you tend to say, hey, I really enjoy my wine in the afternoons or I really enjoy my cups of coffee and we've kind of said well you you can have coffee and you can have wine you just shouldn't have eight cups of coffee and eight drinks of wine you know Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and i think it's important to say um that that we're not saying that that 20 percent of people that binge drink will die we're saying that of the age group 20 to 49 year olds that die 20 percent of those deaths can be connected to binge drinking. can be connected to binge drinking yeah so that's the thing that really kind of shocked me and uh you know as with every great article you know there's the comment section and there were people that oh, i kind of doubt these statistics but that's one thing i love about these big studies is they do study enough individuals over a great enough length of time they don't put these statistics out to scare you they just say this is representative of where things can go if you don't uh, pay attention to your health and it, as i get older as we all get older you do uh, sort of take the health thing uh, a lot more seriously and as well you should you know how that goes that is a crazy number if you would have asked me Adam, take a guess uh, what the percentage is connected to binge drinking for people 20 to 49-year-old, um, what the death percentage is. I, I would have guessed less than 5%. You yeah, know, two you and just a half don't percent, know. 3%. But it's 1 in 5. It's 20%. That's a huge number. That's worthy of, uh, of a marketing campaign close to the CDC's COVID uh, marketing saying sure. <laughs> that you have a 1 – if you're 20 to 49 years old – your percentages of, of health issues are just through the roof astronomically if you have more than five drinks at one sitting. And, one and, if, sitting, you, and yeah. if you do that consistently through the week, uh, I mean, I certainly uh, know people that have five drinks a day. Uh, there was a time in my life, in my 30s, 20 years ago, when when I'd have five drinks a day a couple times a week. Sure. That's, uh, that's really risky when you look at the statistics. Yeah, so I thought that that was uh, very eye-opening. Here's something that's interesting uh, that's happening. This will affect this will affect 100% of us, Adam. It's uh, time to set your clocks back. It's the end of daylight savings time. Clocks will be turned back one hour this Sunday night at 2 a.m. Oh, God, that's so depressing Uh, because I know that you know, the sun sets earlier, you know, too early anyway. And now we're going to lose another hour. So I, in my, uh, where yeah. we live, the sun's going to set at about 530. Oh, it's going to be a long four months. Yeah, we were talking about that. You know, it's like just even trying to get your dog out in the backyard. You come home from work, it's like pitch black. The dog's going, hey, I'm not going out there unless you give me a light, you know. 
Oh, it's just so hard to get up in the morning, get moving in the morning, and then when the temperatures really drop around January, February, oh, it's going to be a long, cold winter. Yeah. So anyway, you'll appreciate this. They've actually tried to look at this legislatively here in our country, uh, and uh, the U.S. Senate voted unanimously to get rid of the twice-a-year time change. Now, as you know, that has to pass through the House and everything. As you and I know, Adam, with the new political uh, arena, uh, civics is rapidly at our fingertips. We're finding out pretty quickly, well, the Senate can do this, but the House of Representatives can't do that and Mm -hmm. vice versa. So, yeah, there's enough people that are concerned about it, and partially because uh, there are some health ramifications dealing with time change and it's all about your biological clock so as you said people have a rhythm to their lives Uh, we've done other studies on the show about the fact that some people identify as night owls and some people identify as uh, morning people Mm -hmm. there is a, a lot of truth to that and the change in time can alter how how your body operates you know, with the election uh, coming up on Tuesday, uh, a lot of a lot of political ads out there talking about every single issue under the sun. I haven't seen one person talking about the most important issue, which is daylight savings time. That is the <laughs> most important issue facing our country. I, we, we would be the most non-controversial political guys ever. Here's what's important. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to rock the boat, and you don't want to talk politics. But daylight savings time has to be the most important issue facing us uh, today. And I I don't want the sun to set any earlier. Uh, I may run for office myself, and that's going to be my political ad. Uh, And I might, you know what, it's going to be a mudslinging ad against my opponent who hasn't said one word about daylight savings time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, and here was an interesting little note when I was doing my research in 2022, the shortest day of the year, which is also known as winter solstice, this year will be December 21st. Now, on the East Coast, the sun will set at 4.48 p.m., <laughs> making the day almost six hours shorter than that of the June solstice, where we luxuriate in a, uh, you know, in a day that's very long and very nice. Oh, and that's the first day of winter as well, right? December 30 or 21st. Winter solstice, yeah. I always get, you know, the solstices and when the different seasons start. I always wait for my local weather person to just go, well, it's the start of winter. And I'm like, okay, thank you, because I didn't know. <laughs> Though I'm sure that information is always obtainable, as with every other fun fact uh, available on the web somewhere, correct? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't live on the East Coast. And just hearing that you say the sun will set at 4.48 p.m. For our listeners uh, in the Midwest, Central, and uh, Pacific time zones, that's almost unfathomable. Yeah. It's not anything to look forward to. I mean, that's when, isn't that when school gets out? You're telling me the sun will set when school gets out. Yeah, it's uh, 448. The world will uh, stop for just a brief moment to observe that the sun has disappeared and we won't see it for quite a while. 
I'll have to give my dog a pep talk to get him to go out. Oh yeah, you're not. It's they don't understand it. I don't they understand don't it. How, understand how the heck could a dog get it if I don't even understand it? Humans don't. So get do it, I? So yeah. Do I fall back? What am I doing Sunday night? I'm taking. You're going to fall back. So you'll actually set your clocks back, and of course, on paper, it will appear that you get an extra hour of sleep. But once again, ironically, sleep is what gets disrupted the most. And then when your sleep gets disrupted, it's, you know, the trickle down domino effect of, you know, there's more accidents, there's less attention being paid, there's more irritability. And, you know, actually, people have higher stress and stress levels. So Mm -hmm. it is interesting that something seemingly simple uh, has some uh, big ramifications. Well, uh, for our listeners, I know that the the weather report for this weekend nationwide is going to be very comfortable. Uh, so enjoy that extra hour of sunlight and the warm temperatures. Get out of your house and enjoy the weekend. Uh, because, yeah. Because this next week, the days get shorter and then the temperatures will start dropping for sure. Well, and you noticed, I know you're a college football fan. I'm a college football fanatic and you know uh, college football games across the nation have really enjoyed uh some terrific fall weather oh yeah yeah that's for sure but don't but don't binge drink when you go to the tailgate five you know how many people uh this weekend at, at the uh, tennessee georgia game had more than five drinks i'd say maybe eighty thousand people <laughs> yeah well one of the sec games uh it bills itself as the world's largest cocktail party that's now, right that may seem like they're endorsing the uh the you know so be careful, as That's we always right. say. Be careful. That's the uh, public affairs uh, radio show advice. If you walk into a situation where it's named and marketed as the world's largest <laughs> cocktail party, you might want to be careful. You might want to say to yourself, I bet alcohol may be a factor <laughs> during this event. I think that's at Ole Miss in uh, Oxford, Mississippi. I think you are correct. Yeah. So that collegiate atmosphere is absolutely terrific. But once again, we do stress moderation. Unless you're the Tennessee Volunteers and you actually tear down your goalpost after a home victory against Alabama and throw the goalpost into the Tennessee River, that, then you know you're living large. There you go. And that hasn't happened, uh, you know, as a football fan, you know this, that hasn't happened in years because they, they put those uh, like retractable, detectable. Uh, goalpost up now so that even at, at a game like that after the victory there are uh, people on the field that work for the university that immediately unhinge the bottom of the goalpost and drop them to the ground so that they can't get torn down well somehow uh, at tennessee they still got them <laughs> those fans are excited the Tennessee fans said, don't worry, we got this. We got this. Yeah, okay. that was uh, quite an afternoon. Uh, signed instruments from the Taylor Hawkins tribute concerts will be sold at an auction, the Hard Rock Cafe in New York. And were you aware of the Taylor Hawkins, uh, the uh, actual uh, auction tribute concerts? Uh, I, I knew uh, about some of the uh, concerts. I didn't know the, the the auction that was connected to it. Yeah, uh, sadly, Taylor Hawkins passed away while the Foo Fighters were on tour 
uh, in South America and uh, Foo Fighters suspended all of their touring activities at that point. But they came back and had a benefit concert at Wembley Stadium in London and then also did one in Southern California. And it, there was a pretty amazing lineup of artists who have contributed uh, quite a number of great one-of-a-kind musical items. You can uh, actually see what the items are and bid online if you go to Julian's Auctions, all one word, dot com, and that is spelled J-U-L-I-E-N-S, auctions.com. The actual auction itself will be at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York, November 11th through the 13th, but some one-of-a-kind musical stuff. And it's all going to go to Music Cares, which is a um, group that advocates for mental health issues for people in the music industry. Mm, that's a great, great cause. I can't wait to see some of those items on there. Um, I don't know. How much would you pay for uh, a guitar or a, a drumstick from your favorite artist of all time? Oh, can you imagine? I mean, especially, you know, where this was tied to such a tragic and one-of-a-kind event. Yeah. Uh, Dave Grohl get autographed guitar. I mean, you know, I don't have the money for it, but those are the items that end up going for twenty and thirty and $40,000. Yeah, that's talking about the gift uh, you can't buy. Well, you and I have been in radio, and we've seen the autographed guitar and – uh, sometimes those bands hit really big and the autographed guitar, which we've probably already given away to a listener, you think, oh boy, if only I'd held on to that. Now, obviously, they're enjoying the uh, the richness of it. But if you're like me, I've walked the halls of our radio station and chuckled to myself where there's some bands, you have to remind yourself what the name of the band was. Right. No, yeah, that for sure. <laughs> but we have the signed guitar to represent the insert name here band. I have a signed guitar from a band called Garbage. Ah, Do you see? remember them? Yes, I uh, sure do. Was that Shirley Manson? Shirley Manson was the lead singer, and uh, they had a string of hits, uh, modern rock in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I'm only happy when it rains comes to mind. Um, Stupid girl comes to mind. They had a, a handful of hits, and uh, I I did uh, at a station I worked at. They came through, and and we had a, a guitar. All right, you know I can't even remember. I might have brought the guitar, knowing that I was going to interview them, and I had a marker and had them sign it. Well, I still have that guitar, and, and the, one of the reasons I kept it is one of the names of the of the band member, I think the bass player's name was Butch Vig. Do you remember Butch Vig? Yes, what a great name. Not necessarily a household name, and certainly if you said, uh, you know, name somebody famous from the band Garbage, most people that know the band would say Shirley Manson. But Butch Vig, his name on that guitar is uh, enormous to me because he is actually m- more famous in certain circles for producing the album Nevermind from Nirvana. Oh, my and, goodness. And during that era, Butch Vig produced most, if not all, of the most famous grunge albums from that era, from Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, you know, Butch Vig is a is a huge name in that industry. So I'm I'm keeping this guitar just in case uh, someday his name is a household name. Uh, 
you know, then I'll be able to, you know, maybe I'll auction that guitar to you, Jay, and you can give me twenty or thirty thousand dollars, and I'll let you have that guitar. <laughs> that would be great. No, I see. I find stories like that fascinating. <laughs> that here's a guy who's a bass player, and you know, a band that may some people might consider obscure, but then he's part of perhaps the most important movement in the rock and roll world since the British invasion. Really? Seriously? You know, and the, you think no, about I'm Butch Vig. On, he's on stage playing bass uh, at the Iowa State Fair. And I wonder if any part of his brain is thinking, hey, I produce Nevermind. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> I should get somebody else to play bass. <laughs> well, and you're such a fan of that era. I really urge you to, if you haven't already, read Dave Grohl's book called Storyteller. Mm. And it's really impressive, uh, just the whole talk about joining Nirvana and that creative process, because it really was that seminal band. And it was guys, average, everyday guys, but they just found that rhythm and that chemistry between them. And that's the part of music that I'm always amazed by. Because you could take any five guys that are decent at their instruments and make music, yeah. but it takes something like Nirvana. I mean, even Dave Grohl talks about how he had moved from St. Louis to Seattle and lived in Kurt's apartment. And he said he was just downright depressed by the Seattle weather because in St. Louis, they'd get sunshine every once in a while, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a callback to the seasonal depression that we're about to get into when the daylight savings time yes. changes this weekend. <laughs> That's right. what we love about our show is everything is interconnected it's, it's and you welcome. It's all connected. All right, Jay, uh, thanks for coming on uh, with some great topics once again. Uh, what's your Twitter? Let's give our, our listeners your Twitter. At Jay Baker Voice, I have over fifty thousand followers. You can be one of them. That's a. I'm impressed. That's a large number. Uh, <laughs> Don't be. That's a made up number. And you can get a. You can get a blue check for just eight dollars a month. We might talk about that on the next episode. <laughs> Thank you for joining us uh, on today's edition of the Adam Rich Show. You can always find this episode and others uh, on our website in podcast form, AdamRitzShow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.